Hey, this is Pastor Chris Garcia from Numa Church, and we're so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. I pray that as you listen to today's message, God will speak to your heart in a powerful way. We started a series two weeks ago called Christmas at Numa. Pastor Max was the first person who saw the first teaching here. Pastor Chris saw the second teaching last week. And today I have the honor to bring the third teaching. Um, what are we celebrating Christmas? What are we celebrating Christmas? It's the birth, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that in the book of uh, Isaiah, um, there's so many. There's a couple of prophecies that are going to be we're going to be listening today about God already speaking to us that He was going to send His Son to this earth. And this, these promises, these prophecies are for who? For us, the church, us. I want to start with the first verse here of today that um, if you could please put Isaiah 53, 4, 6. And the reason why I want to start with this verse is because you know that I don't know if you've ever been in situations where you're talking about God and everything, suddenly you're talking about God and everything is fine, like everybody doesn't have a problem with God. But in the moment you mention Jesus, what happens? People get like, oh man, why do you have to bring Jesus to the conversation? <laughs> because nobody has a problem with God, but everybody has a problem with Jesus. And you know that that's the God that we believe, that's the God we prophesy, that's the God that, that's our faith, we believe in the, Jesus as the Son of God. And I want to share you a story of something that happened to me 15 years ago, that I had a neighbor that he's Jewish. How many of you had Jewish friends out there? And I remember we were driving together, we were going to Homestead, and he started talking about his God, about Jehovah. Who is Jehovah? It's our Father, our God, right? And he's all excited talking about him, and then suddenly I started talking about my God, about Jesus. And I started talking about with this verse. And I'm like, yeah, um, well, my God, he was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins. He was beaten so I could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of this, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow your own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. And I'm there talking and talking with this verse. And he's like, yeah, Milton, but you know what? I believe that your Jesus it was just a prophet that came to this earth. He was just a man just like you. And I'm like, oh, okay, really? Yeah, he was just a normal man. And I'm like, and I remember pulling over my car and opening up my Bible and reading this verse. I remember like it was today, and I'm there reading the verse. And when I finished reading the verse, I asked him, who is this that I just read? And you know, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, oh, that's Jesus. And I'm like, really? That's Jesus? And you know what I did? I turned my Bible, I put it in his legs, and I'm like, look, I just read it from your Bible. And then he read it. And he's literally like this, like, um, um. he couldn't speak anymore. You know why? Because it was already written 750 years before Jesus came to this earth. It's written there. We cannot deny 
the existing of Jesus. And I know a lot of you have sitting down with people that you've gotten into arguments, and, and not, I don't want to say arguments, but discussions. You know that they don't want to say that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's a Savior. But we need to stand firm on who he is. This is just an introduction. It's going to get much better. We're going to talk about more, more about him. So the second verse I want to bring up, it's Isaiah 59, 6, 7. And then this is another prophecy where God is speaking through Isaiah saying, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. He's talking about Jesus. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of its ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. So now this is the second miracle. God is already announcing the coming of the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. But now in Christmas, you know that the biggest miracle that can happen in the life of a human being is Jesus being born in somebody's heart. That is the biggest miracle that could happen. When Jesus is born in the heart of a human being, that life will be transformed. It will be changed forever. So you know that I've been in this church for 15 years. This is the place where the first time I had my first encounter with Jesus, where my life was radically transformed, where I became so passionate about him. Because before that, God used so many people to come and just talk to me about him. But then one day he decided to see, he said, you know what? Today, I'm going to make myself present to Milton's life. And I'm going to show him that I don't need any more messengers. I'm going to show him that I am real. And then I'm going to show up in his life and I'm going to show him that I'm real. So in the moment that happened to me when I came to this church, I know that a lot of you have heard of this testimony. And my wife is here sitting, looking at him, and she's like, please, Milton, don't use me in your preachings. <laughs> and I am going to use you, mi amor. Because you know that, um, I think that I'm not, the day that my, my wife... If, whenever, if there's ever a day that my wife has to preach, I think all her preachings are going to be stories about me. <laughs> because she's like, please don't use me as an example. But mi amor, I love you so much, I have to use you. So when we came, when we came here, so it was, the, the miracle first was in my life. Like the Lord revealed himself to me. I was here by myself. So then when I invited her to come, it was August of 2006. She said, mm-mm. I don't want to be part of that church. I don't want to be part of that family. No, 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 no. Just leave me where I am. I'm happy where I'm at. So you know that there was four months that I was praying for her, that I was asking God, Lord, please, you need to, I, that you need to give, she, your, your, your son needs to be, um, tiene que nacer, needs to be born in her heart. That miracle needs to occur in her life because I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. I'm here all confused. And I know that a lot of you know the testimony I shared last time I preached, that after four months of praying, she came to Jesus. That miracle happened. But what today I'm going to share is the details of what happened in those four months. <laughs> She's like, babe, please don't do this. Don't do this. And, and why I'm going to show these details? Because they're so important. Because I know a lot of you are praying for other people 
And a lot of you are going through things and you're like, and you get so discouraged. I know what it is to be discouraged. I know what it is to be hopeless. I know what it is because I remember those four months. I was very confused. So you want to know some of the details? Okay, back then, look, I'm going to talk a little bit about your worship leader here. Look, look, 15 years ago, we have a service that it was on Saturdays. And it was from 7 o'clock at night to 9 o'clock at night. The worship session was 45 minutes. And I remember that that was my favorite time, that I just wanted to be in God's presence. You know what she did? She's like, um, I'm not going to get there so early. 7 o'clock? No. So she would take her time to get dressed. And I will be at 6.45 like, can you please hurry up? Can you please hurry up? I want to go to church. Come on, hurry up. I'll take my time. We walk in through those doors. And it was 6.45. And we will sit there, right behind there, like where Lillian is. And right there, the worship would end it. Boom. And I was just looked at her, and I'm like, you ruined my worship moment. And she's like, it's okay, Milton. We could be here for an hour and 15 minutes. And now she's the worship leader. Come on, guys. Give it up to Jesus. So never lose hope. Maybe you're sitting right there, right by your side, of the next, the next preacher God is going to lift up in this church. And that person's like, I don't want to listen to the preacher. I don't want to go to church. And you don't even know who you're sitting. It's sitting right next to you. So just keep praying. Keep asking God. Even if they're not here, just leave an empty seat right by your side. And just keep praying for that person that you have no idea what God can do in the life of a person, if you believe. Amen? Okay. <laughs> that was introduction. Now we're going to the teaching. Let me get some water. Babe, I'm so sorry. I love you. Yes, you know, when I do my preaching, she always does my notes. And she's like, when she typed the notes, she's like, oh, okay, I'm not here. That's good. Okay. I didn't put it in the notes. So, the title of this message we're going to be speaking today is called Remembering God's Blessings at Christmas. I know that we've been blessed with thousands of blessings through Jesus, but I just want to focus on three blessings today. And I know that the three, three, these three blessings that I'm going to be talking about, I know that you guys already know them. But it's like, you know, um, you know, I have a trimmer at house, like where I caught cut all the weeds and uh, grass at my house. You know that if I don't use that trimmer and I just leave it in the storage, the weed will continue to grow, grow, grow in my house. And if I don't get, sorry, I'm translating here. If I don't get that weed killer and I don't, and I don't start cutting it, that weed continues to grow. And there's no purpose of having that in my storage if I don't use it. So that's why, this is the reason why I title it like this, because sometimes we need to remember of these three key elements. They're so important in our lives for a Christian life. And I'm going to start with the first one. The first one is, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
Why would David ask, ask the Lord, Lord, restore to me the joy of my salvation? I don't know if you remember that first time when you got saved by God. That God didn't have to use a messenger anymore, a person anymore, to come to your life and preach you the gospel. That it was something that you just knew. You had a conviction in your spirit that you were saved. That you were purchased by the blood of Jesus. That you knew where you were going to spend eternity. That you knew in your heart, okay, God, I'm getting a conviction in my heart and my spirit because it's you speaking to me in that moment. Didn't that produce joy in your life? 15 years ago, when that happened to me for the first time, I remember like being so joyful. And I'm like, wow, Lord, now I know where I'm going to spend eternity, Lord. Now I know that I have a place in heaven. That I know that I have a purpose in this life. But one day there's going to come a moment that this life is going to pass. And I'm just going to be in your presence. And I'm going to leave an eternity with you. I remember that producing so much joy in my life. But you know what? Here preaching to you guys with time, there was a moment that come in my life that, that started to fade away. Because I started focusing more in the things of this life, of the, of the problems of this life. And I remember like, wow, I don't, I don't feel this joy anymore. What's happening in my life? Why is it that I'm so focused in the things that I'm going through and I'm not like, I don't, I don't feel that joy anymore that I used to have before? And look what David says. On Psalm 51, 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And I don't know whatever situation you're going through. I don't know whatever it is that, that has stole that joy. Today I pray that... This one I'm going to be talking about, that God brings again this joy in your heart. That again, you will be like, wow, Lord, I'm going to focus. I'm going to put my eyes on you, Jesus. And I'm just going to think of that moment when I first had that first encounter with you. And I'm just going to rejoice in that again, Lord. Let's go to, let's go to Luke 10, 19, and 20. And again, we're going to talk about, again, now this is in the New Testament. We're going to talk about how Jesus is now telling us, speaking to us, to rejoice because our names are written in the book of heaven, are registered in heaven. And look what it says in Luke 19. It says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. But rejoice because your names are registered where? In heaven. Can you imagine? Jesus gets 72 people. He prays for them. They go out there. They pray for the sick. They pray for the people that have been captive by evil spirits. And then suddenly they're set free. These people come back and they're rejoicing on that. They're like, wow, this is an enemy that we've been fighting for so many years. And now look, now we have received so much power in Jesus. And now look at this enemy. He has no power. And Jesus is like, forget about that. Rejoice on this. 
rejoice on this. So what is it? What is it, family? What is it? Where is our focus on? What is it that we're, where is it that the things that we're looking right now, are they really affecting us? Or we're focusing more in eternity where we're going to spend our eternity with God. And I know, I'm going to use an example right now. I know a lot of you guys have seen this already in the internet. I got this from Francis Chan, but I just love this example that he used. <laughs> and I decided that I was going to use it today again, too. And it's a rope. Babe, it's a rope. It's not a picture of us when we got married. And then why I got this rope, I'm going to explain you right now. Why I got this rope. Well, it's going to continue and going on and on, and it doesn't have an end. Okay, this here, this is our life on earth. This little red piece here. So this is where life ends. And then imagine that here, this is where eternity starts. And it goes all the way. And it doesn't end. So this is where the problem is. We're so focused in this little part here right now. Some of us are here, and we're like, okay, so what's going to happen in my future? What's going to happen tomorrow? I need to plan, Anna. And then James 4, 14 says, hey, you don't even know what's, what's going to happen tomorrow. Your life is like a fog. You, you, never been in the, you never woke up in the morning, you're driving your car, and there's fog, and then suddenly the fog is gone? We're not promised for tomorrow. You don't know when it's that you're going to reach here, this point where you're going to meet with your creator. But we're so stuck in here. And then this here, you know what this is? This is called eternity. And you know that in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiaste, you know that God has already put in all this in the heart of humans? That's what the Bible says. 3.11, it says that eternity is already put in the heart of men. And why, why God has put in all this in your heart? Because he knows that in this life, you're going to try to try everything. You're going to look for all these things to try to satisfy your life. And he knows that there's going to come a moment that you're just going to be so empty. And you're going to be like, there's something missing. What is it? Is that eternity of knowing Jesus. So I don't know if you're taking notes right now. But this is going to be the best part of the preaching. You can write it down. You know what he wants here in this part? You know what he wants? He wants you to fall in love with him. Fall in love with Jesus. That's what he wants you to do here. Because he wants to prepare you for when this moment comes. For the when this moment comes. So if here, in this part, you just focus on him. And you fall in love with him. And pastor, how can I fall in love with Jesus? You know how you fall in love with him? Matthew 10, 37. He says, if you love more your mother and your father than me. 
you're not worthy of me. If you love more your daughters than me, your sons, you're not worthy of me. If you don't carry your cross every day, you're not worthy of me to be mine. And there's a battle in your heart. There's a battle right now going on with a true enemy, a real enemy that wants to distract you. It wants you to fall in love with other things that they make you think that they're more important than Jesus and they're not. And when you fall in love with Jesus, like in Philippians 1 talks about, the fruits of your salvation, people will know that you're in love with Jesus. It's so obvious to know when a person is in love with Jesus. Yes or no? When a person doesn't love Jesus, you could tell. They don't speak about him. Everything is good. They just speak about themselves. When a person is in love with Jesus, they can't stop thinking of him. They can't stop talking about him. Amen? The second one we're going to be talking about, it's about the authority that has been given us by Jesus. And I'm going to use the same, the same verse that I used before. It's Luke 19, but it's only 19 now. And it says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. Another verse that speaks about the authority God has giving us. You know that um, when I came to this church 15 years ago, before that, when I was a little kid, um, I was very harassed by spirits. Harassed in a way that I had, I, I constantly had nightmares. I used to, um, in Spanish, we call it sonambulo. I don't know how you say it in English, but it's the one that you watch. Like, yeah. I used to do that every night. And my brother's watching. He must be laughing right now because I used to wake him up in the middle of the night. And it was constantly doing all this happening. And I remember when I didn't know that I had authority in Jesus. Back then, I used to go to the Catholic church. Hello. Okay, it was the mic. Now I feel more empowered. So, so um, and I remember like the priest coming to the house. And when he will walk in, he will come with holy water. And he would just start putting the holy water in the house and praying. And then I'm like, yes, Father, pray, pray. Make all these evil spirits go away from my house. And I remember they used to leave. But you know what happened? After 15 days, they will come back. And they will harass me again. And I remember sharing this with my wife before we got married. And she's like, are you sure? We were just dating. She's like, um, I'm probably a little bit noxy cuckoo. And I'm like, no, babe, it's true. And then one day we got married and she moved in in my house. And she's like, oh, my God, last night I heard something downstairs. You're not that crazy. I was like, oh, you're real, for real. But you know that that same year, that's the year that we got converted to Jesus. We came to this church. And I remember coming to the pastor and telling the pastor, hey, pastor, I need you to come to my house and I need you to pray in my house because I need you to rebuke all these evil spirits at my house that they're harassing me. 
And I remember the pastor telling me, no, Milton, I'm not going to go to your house and pray. You're going to pray. And I'm like, me? Yes. You have authority in Jesus. You could do it yourself. And I'm like, really? And what do I need to do? And he gave me some scriptures and I memorized them and I got home and I started using the scriptures and I started praying and they did work. It was amazing. I saw them literally flee. I saw them literally all of them go away from my life. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And you know that when I was preparing this point, it was so funny because I remember that, that I remember this, my wife's like, why do you have to use movies in your preachings? I love movies. You know, you remember Captain America part one? Remember when the movie started that he was very skinny and he was like in a dead end street and he was, there was a guy like beating him up and just punching him and, and, and he was just like, okay, one more. But he couldn't fight back but he was so skinny. So, you know, so you know that one day when he went through this process that he became Captain America and he became so strong. You know that when the movie started, you know that that's us when we didn't have Jesus And the enemy was constantly beating us up here in our minds, telling us lies and all these things that they're not true. But you know that now in Jesus, it's like you have become Captain America. In Jesus, you have that authority now. Now you're strong. But imagine that Captain America will go back again to that dead-end street and he will meet that same guy. And that guy will come and start beating him up. What will he do? He will be like, get out of here, boom, and kick him out. But you know that us, we're not doing anything and the enemy is coming again and he's beating us again with all these lies and we're just letting him punch us and hit us and we're just there sitting and watching him beating us up. And that's why in this second point, I wanted to talk about and remember you the authority that Jesus has given you. We are in a spiritual battle. We are fighting against a real enemy that we cannot see. And I want you to go to Ephesians 6, 12. And I'm going to read it. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, And against evil spirit in the heavenly places. We're not fighting against what? We're not fighting against flesh or blood enemies. You're not fighting against your neighbor. You're not fighting against your mother-in-law. You're not fighting against your co-workers. Guys, this is a spiritual battle that it's real, that it's going on right now. And the enemy doesn't want you to see the authority that you have in Jesus Christ. And it's a constant battle of lies, of lies, of lies, of lies, putting said in our minds. And, and in him, he doesn't want us to believe. And today, I'm going to tell you one verse. Today, we're going to speak about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about now one verse. What is, what is it that you need to do when these spiritual things happen, when they start manifesting and they come against you? What is it that you need to do? And I want you to repeat with me. Resist. Resist. That's what you need to do. Resist. <laughs> And why you need to resist. I don't need that page anymore. Yes, I do need it. <laughs> Because James 4, 7 says, So humble yourself before God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. 
What is the definition of flee? Run away from a place or a situation of danger. Where's my brother Charles? Can you come up, please? So what we're going to do right now, Charles and I, this is what really happens in the spiritual realm, and we cannot see it. This is when a giant of disbelief comes and stands in front of you, and he starts making you believe all these lies. Because you know who the devil is? He's the father of lies. And this is exactly what he does. You're a hypocrite. I'm not a hypocrite. That's a lie. You're not worthy. I am worthy. I'm a son of God. Your family and your marriage will never be restored. That's a lie. God saved me and my family. Me and my family, we will serve God. You're an orphan. That's a lie. I've been adopted to God's family. I'm a son. You're hopeless. Give up. I'm not. I'm going to believe God until the end. I know he has the last word. And then this is what happens. You're resisting all these lies. You're resisting the enemy. And then there's a moment that comes that God tells you, hey, Milton, just stop. I want you to move now. And then when you move, right behind you, there's a mighty God standing right behind you. And what the word flee means when he takes over. So that's what we do. We resist the devil. You resist all these lies. And eventually, you'll see healing. Eventually, you're going to see families being restored. Like the song that we were, taught, we were singing right now. Eventually, you're going to see God manifesting in a mighty way. And it's a matter of time of you just waiting on God. Just, just resisting and you're going to see that what God is going to do. Amen? Okay, so my last point is, number three is, promises or prophecies and the waiting Woo. I know that each and one of us here, each and one of us, we have received a prophetic word or we have received a word that you know that it came from God and it's just there planted in your heart. Yes or no? A lot of those words, maybe you have forgotten about them. But you know what? God hasn't forgotten about them. Numbers 19, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He, has he ever spoken and failed to act? No. Has he ever promised and not carry it through? No. I receive a prophetic word, 2013. And it's so, I told my wife this week, I'm like, I always think about this word because I just know it came from God. And I'm just going to continue to remind God about this word. Because I know that it came from him. When it's going to come to pass, I don't know. But I'm going to continue to pray for that word. And church, this week, 
I went to do an appraisal. I'm not going to go into details because it's really long. But I saw that word coming to, to the promise, coming to be fulfilled. And when I saw that, and I'm like, wow, Lord, we might forget about your promises, but you don't. And I know that each and one of you here, God has spoken to your life. And I'm here just to remind you today to not give up on those promises from God. And when you less expect, He is going to do it. He is going to do it. Don't keep stressing out while you're waiting. Don't keep telling God how you're going to do it. Just have faith and believe that He's going to do it. And just rest on His promises. And He's going to do it, family. When God gave us our first child that she's here right now, I remember God speaking to my wife and telling us that we were going to have a child, a child. And we got so happy, so excited. And you know when God gave me that word? When I was here serving him. When we first came to this church, my wife and I, we were serving God in the children's ministry. And one day my wife was changing a diaper for a baby. My wife said like, oh, God just spoke to me right now and told me that we were going to have a daughter. And I'm like, really? We're going to have a daughter? And I was so happy, so excited. And that was December of 2007, 2006. So then in 2007, we thought that that promise was going to be that year. So every year, you know what my wife and I, we would do? We would go to the pharmacy and buy a pregnancy test. And it would just come out negative. And then next month, and it would come out negative. And the third month, the negative. And I told my wife, you know what? fifth month i don't want to buy any more pregnancy tests we're wasting a whole bunch of money and this is not happening let's just just forget about it you know let's just leave it to god and let, let's just rest on him you know and and wait on him you know that he's gonna do it but i'm stressing out too much waiting on this you know and look at all the money i spend on these pregnancy tests i'm not gonna buy any one more that's it i'm done so we forgot about it and then came august september october november december and then december my wife tells me milton i'm pregnant and I'm like, again, you're going to start with the same thing again? You're not pregnant. I'm not going to go to the pharmacy. I'm not going to buy the pregnancy test. It's too expensive. And she's like, no, go to this dollar store. This one that costs one dollar. You could, you could afford that one. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to buy that one then. And I went to the dollar store and I got the dollar one. And then she went into the bathroom and she did the test. And the test came out negative. That she was not pregnant. She comes out of the bathroom. She gives me the pregnancy test. She puts it in my hand and I look at it. And I'm like, you see, I told you it was negative. You make me waste another dollar. No, I'm just kidding. And you know what she did? She looked at the pregnancy test and she just grabbed it again. And she's like, I know what I'm telling you. I'm pregnant. And she went back in the bathroom again. And when she came outside, she put it in my hand. And there were two lines there. And, and here's, she doesn't want me to point at her. She's embarrassed. I'm not going to say she's here. And here's my miracle. She's here right now. She's a miracle baby. She's here. What I'm trying to tell you is, man, you need to give that burden to God. It's not letting you worship him. When you go to worship God, all you think is about the problem. It's like your sight is so blurry, you can't even see Jesus because all you think is a problem. Give it to Him. 
And when you least expect it, you're going to receive your miracle. Put your eyes on him. Focus on him. Worship him. Worship him. Like I said before, fall in love with him. He is worthy to fall in love with. He is worthy to you to surrender your life. He is worthy. You're going to know this until that day comes that you're going to be absent from your body. You're just going to be present with him. And you're just going to be face to face with him. You're going to be, it was worth it. Well, that pastor was preaching that day. It was worth it. Nothing in this life will give you more. It's going to satisfy you more than what Jesus can give you. Nothing. Nothing. Once you tap into that, once you get to know him, that's eternal life. Amen. If you could please stand up. And I want you to raise your hands. And we're just going to sing the bridge of this song. Because I know a lot of you here are waiting for promises, for prophecies. I know a lot of you are expecting miracles. And I want you to sing out this bridge that we're going to sing. And just believe, believe that there's nothing impossible for God. That He is real. I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me He can't do it. Don't you tell me He can't do it. I've seen real love resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me He can't do it. Don't you tell me He can't do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen troubled souls deliver. I've seen addicts finally free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen God wants to hear you speak out.
Come on, this is your moment with between you and God right now. His presence is real. He is here. He is here. Now you belong to him. Now he has a purpose with your life. And he wants to make himself real in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're such a good God. You're such a good God. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Lord, there's nothing impossible for you, Lord. There's nothing impossible for you, Lord. Come on. He's just too good. He's just too good. He's just too good to not believe. My Jesus. He's just too good. He's just too good. He's just too good to not believe. He's just too I don't know if you've been here already. Couple, if you, if this is your first time here. For all of you who are watching on cameras, now this is the moment where we make this invitation, where we open up our hearts and we say, you know what, Jesus, we want to surrender it all to you. We just want to surrender your our lives. I don't know. Maybe you made this prayer in the past. I don't know if this is a time that you need to make this prayer again to commit with Jesus. Sometimes we just do this prayer because we believe, okay, if I just say it, everything will, everything will be fine. My life will be fine. No, it has to come from here, from your heart. It has to come from a heart that is saying, you know what, Lord? I surrender everything to you. I really decide not to live anymore. Now I decide to live for you, Lord. If you have never made that prayer, if you have never invited Jesus to your life, this is the moment of salvation. And right, right there where you're at, And all of you that are watching on camera, I want you to just repeat with me this prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for giving, your, for giving your life and dying for my sins. Lord, I repent of my sins. And I receive your salvation. From today on, I am your disciple. From today on, I am a daughter or a son of God. From today on, I decide, Lord, to lay down my life and just follow you. And I thank you because of the work, because of what you did, Jesus, in that cross. Today, I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. And today, I enter into your family. I thank you, and in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks again for listening. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to our channel and share it with others. Now, for more content from NUMA and to connect with us, visit our webpage at numachurchmiami.org. We love you, and we hope to connect with you soon.